So uh, raise your hand if you're absolutely certain that the Lord is calling you to missions. Wow, good percentage. And how many, uh, if you feel like God might be calling you, there might be a calling there, maybe. All right, that's good. All right, and how many of you were brought by a friend that have no idea why you're here? Okay, well, this is a pretty committed group then. That's, that's outstanding. Great. So, um, if you've been in the military, raise your hand. Who's been in the military? Okay, so a few people have been through boot camp. What was your boot camp experience like? You haven't been. All right. So, who's been through boot camp? How was that experience? It was a long time ago. <laughs> and thankfully, you've forgotten it. <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, wherever you are in the process of, you know, considering uh, responding to God's calling as a missionary, uh, whether you're just thinking about it or you are ready to go, uh, you are in a period of preparation that I like to call the uh, missionary boot camp. All right. And um, uh, let me ask you another question. As I said, I'm going to try and make this a bit interactive what, what do you think? I'm going to ask you just to turn to your neighbor, turn to the people around your table. We're going to spend just a couple of minutes. What does it look like to live a missionary lifestyle? What does that mean, to live like a missionary? We just turn to your neighbors for just a moment and just kind of envision what that looks like. Let's get back together. And uh, Jessica, would you mind coming up and just uh, capturing some of the uh, responses? You can say no, but, you know. I'm trying to gather all the talk. All right, great. Excellent. So what, uh, what does it look like? What it, what it, what, what's your sense of what it looks like to live a missionary lifestyle? What are the elements of it? Well, if you discuss something else, maybe share that. I mean, <laughs> no. Any observations? Busy. Okay. Pardon me, what? Busy. Oh, busy. Yes, right. Yes. Got to be committed to the call. Committed to the call. That's right. We said sacrificial and others focused. Yeah, sacrificial. She said to make disciples. Make disciples. Fabulous. Okay. I'm sorry? Frugal. Oh, frugal, yeah. Yep, frugal. Mm-hmm. Humbling. Humbling, yeah. Be humble. Walk humbly. Anything else? Adapt. Yeah, adaptable. Yep. Can be emotional. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's good. Uh, and um, I think one of the things that I don't see up there is really uh, to be dependent upon God, right? Uh, it takes a real uh, willingness to surrender to God and allow God to control your steps uh, in order to prepare your heart. And as you can see, all of these things uh, are things that we can start to do today. You don't have to leave the United States in order to live a lifestyle of a missionary. Right? You can start doing it today. And that's really what I want to talk to you about. It, it requires that this, this whole notion of boot camp, being in a boot camp uh, and preparing yourself for the battle ahead uh, is one that requires spiritual disciplines, right? So what you're, what you're really doing is preparing yourself in a way to face a spiritual battle, and those take, those take the spiritual disciplines, right? And uh, these, the, spirit, the growth in spiritual disciplines has been around since the time of the apostles, and over the last 2,000 years, as people have responded to the gospel, to varying degrees, maturing in their faith, right? This this uh, process of practicing the spiritual disciplines uh, helps us on our path to sanctification, and that is to understanding and becoming more Christ-like 
along the way as long as God keeps us here on earth. These are things that each one of us should be doing, and this is a preparatory process along the way, right? So a good working definition of the spiritual disciplines are those activities that we do to practice God's presence in our life, right? Thank you, sir. So Paul, in his letter uh, to the Christians at Colossae, wrote, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And uh, there's another quote uh, from a book called Celebration uh, of Discipline that says, Superficial, Superficiality is the curse of our age. The doctrine of instant satisfaction is, a, is primarily a spiritual problem. The desperate need is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but people who have depth. Right? They have a spiritual depth to their life. And uh, these spiritual disciplines are not you know, an end in and of themselves, right? Uh, even though they're wonderful habits and, and practices, their purpose is to provide a means by which believers can grow into mature disciples of Jesus. Right? That's the reason that we practice these things. And uh, although the Bible doesn't contain or kind of list or spell out exactly what they are, various writers throughout the ages have identified them and classified them in a number of ways. And uh, one of the best known uh, are listed out in a book by a gentleman named Dallas Willard in his book, The Spirit of Disciplines. And in chapter 9 in that book, he outlines several of those things. These are these uh, spiritual disciplines, uh, and they are... Solitude, silence, Bible study, fasting, stewardship, journaling, service to others, prayer, fellowship, and confession. Who feels like they do a good job with all of those? <laughs> Right? So each one of us has room for growth in our spiritual walk, right? And particularly if you're preparing to step into battle, if you are in that process of uh, going into a missionary life, then you need to be focusing in on these spiritual dis- uh, disciplines and preparing yourself for what you're going to face once you're out there. It's interesting if you know that most of these things are countercultural to the things that we value in the West, right? I mean, just start off with the first of those solitude and silence. How much time in solitude and silence have you spent in the last week? Intentionally speaking to God, right? I'll bet not much. Most of us, including myself, would say that we've spent much time in solitude, silence, fasting, praying, right? service to others, journaling. You might do one or two of these things, maybe, right? on a regular basis. But to incorporate all of them into your life is to prepare yourself. Right? And too much in our culture, we measure ourselves, or we are measured by others, for our productivity and for our contribution. Right? We're encouraged to take whatever we can for our own pleasure and comfort. But the disciplines of the spiritual life call us to move beyond this surface living and go into the depth of a relationship with God. To become mature, uh, mature spiritually mature people requires a, a level of discipline that will result in a lifestyle that recognizes and constantly responds to God's presence in our lives. Ultimately, that's what we want to be, in communion with God on an ongoing basis throughout our day. Fully reliant, fully surrendered over to him. Essential in the spiritual disciplines is the understanding that it is God that's working in our lives. It is his grace that has been 
given to us so that this discipline, the fruits of these disciplines can develop, right? We make lifestyle changes that enable God's grace to occur in our lives. We live countercultural. Right? When we're faithful to exercise these spiritual disciplines, we can have confidence in the promise that God will meet us in the discipline. And that can happen whether or not we emotionally feel it. One of the problems today is that many mistake the and, and confuse godliness with these disciplines. And where that goes is to legalism and self-righteousness. That's not what this is about. Discipline for the purpose of discipline will not make you godly. Right? It will most likely make you proud. And that's not what God intends for us. Right? The discipline is what is supposed to aim us in the direction of God. The disciplines of the Christian life are part of the means that God's, God uses to grow and, and develop us. And they require a daily sustained effort. And for those of you who recognize several of these things, you know it takes effort. It, you have to be intentional. And it's, it's, it's ongoing and it's daily. Right? It requires perseverance. To make it through boot camp requires perseverance. To prepare yourself for missional service, it requires perseverance. A good soldier has to do three things. Practice the basics, practice the basics, and practice the basics, right? That's what it requires. Ultimately, God brings you to himself but not apart from your discipline. He does it through your discipline. A discipline that gets you into his word, meditating on his word, and then praying for insights and wisdom to understand what he seeks to reveal to you. The final step is then to share his word and insights as they've been given to you with others. Right? But you've got to be walking with them in order to share those insights. You've got to be disciplined in your practices in order to get close enough to God to really be a fully vested agent for him. I want to focus on one of these disciplines in particular because that's what medicine does, right? Um, raise your hand if you have educational debt. Most everybody in the room, of course, that's why you're sitting here, I figure, right? You know, um, I don't know how aware you are, but a mission sending organization, right, the ones that get you from here to there, uh, they will not send anyone who has debt. You can't go with a mission sending organization if you have debt. That's why MedSend is so critical, right, because you can't go if you have debt. Right? As Christians, we see that all of our resources, including our very minds, are owned by our Lord. Right? All the things are under God's authority. And he may allow us to possess them or use them, but ultimately everything that we have belongs to the Lord. So, what is debt? What is it? Right? It's a commitment to pay in the future for the use of money today. Right? You'll pay it sometime in the future. You borrow it to accomplish an, uh, an objective today. And if God hasn't provided you with the resources today, what basis do we have for borrowing a future that doesn't belong to us? We want to be debt-free so we can serve God unencumbered. When we have debt, any of any kind, we are committed to another, right? We have committed ourselves to someone or something else once we're in debt. They can influence our decision-making process, whoever we owe that debt to, right? The world has invaded the church. 
And that's you and I, right? And we've been misled by the great deceiver. He's made us believe that we can borrow without compromising ourselves. But the Bible tells us otherwise. Debt can be the one that influences how you will serve God. Rather than God being the one to influence your choices. I want to encourage you, if you have credit cards, get them paid off just as quickly as you possibly can. They are the worst kind of debt uh, imaginable, and they can literally enslave you. Consider writing a life mission statement for yourself, right? And uh, there's a bunch of really good available resources that uh, are available on the web. Uh, Rick Warren, a pastor out in California, has one called Shape. And uh, you can get the um, uh, videos online through YouTube. And it walks you through a process of looking at your spiritual gifts, where your heart is, your ability, your personality and experience, uh, spelling out uh, shape. And um, when, you, when you walk through that, you can start to see where your calling might be. It can help you to figure out where, where money and where debt and also where your own spiritual um, uh, disciplines lie, or don't lie, right? Where you need to develop and grow yourself. So consider writing one of these life mission statements. As you're looking at at borrowing money for school, Uh, we want to recommend that you only borrow what you absolutely need, right? Uh, That you uh, don't borrow for lifestyle issues, that you um, don't borrow for even short-term trips, that you don't use borrowed money to support other missionaries. The time will come when you can do that, right? When you have the resources to support other missionaries. Don't borrow in order to do those kinds of things. Don't borrow to tithe. Don't use borrowed money for those reasons. We want to help you to and encourage you to uh, minimize how much you borrow through this, through this process, right? And this is where, you know, this whole notion of life goals come into play. Uh, some people will be committed to uh, a lifestyle that requires that they borrow as much as, as they can. And if you're called to be a Christ follower, nevertheless a missionary, you're called to be all that God has created you to be and not to be beholden to this world, right? Borrow as little as you possibly can throughout this entire process. Learn to be disciplined about your use of money. Put financial controls and a budget in place. Use credit cards only when they're absolutely necessary. A missionary lifestyle is one where you find contentment with what God has allocated to you. Right? That's part of a missionary lifestyle. That's part of the preparation. Missionaries use things up, wear things out, make things do, or do without. Right? Uh, I think it's Jack Johnson, isn't that it? Uh, Reduce, reuse, recycle. Isn't that, do I have that right? It's Jack Johnson, is that his song? Reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the approach, right? That's the approach to life that you want to you use. Uh, I'm going to take um, just a, a couple of minutes, and I'm going to talk about some, federally gover- some federal government programs for those of you who have, bar- who have educational debt. And uh, there's a couple of them that are really good, and there's a couple that you really want to try and stay away from. Uh, because they're, they're dangerous. And uh, then I want to leave a couple of minutes. I'm going to ask a few of our board members to come forward, and you can you know, just ask them about MedSend, about the process that we use, anything that you like. I trust that you'll be uh, texting uh, your questions as we're walking through this uh, to that phone number that's on, on the board. Um, so there's a couple of uh, federal programs that have been put in place. Uh, G- uh, President uh, George Bush... He, um, he recognized that a number of students were graduating college with significant debt, 
and they were not in a position to uh, join local governments, uh, become policemen, firemen, teachers, uh, join uh, not-for-profit organizations because of the size of their debt. Uh, their their uh, salaries are typically lower than the average, and individuals graduating from college weren't in a position to take those, uh, to work for that kind of organization, uh, specifically because they couldn't make enough money to pay off their debt and, and be able to live. So he passed a program uh, called Public Service Loan Forgiveness. Public Service Loan Forgiveness. And uh, the context of public service loan forgiveness is that if you work for a registered 501c3, which is a, a, designate, a tax designation for American-based not-for-profits, they're called 501c3s, you work for a not-for-profit, or you, know, you work in your local government as a teacher, fireman, firefighter, any kind of local service, government service, uh, and this is the key, and it's the first question you want to ask yourself, and the loans are from the direct loan corp, right? This is key. You've got to, this is the first thing you want to answer. Are my loans from the direct loan corp, right? Uh, if they are from the direct loan corp, which about a third of student loans come from the direct loan corp, right? And it is a wholly owned subsidiary of the federal government. And what this allows is, is this, to, it allows you to participate in uh, the public service loan forgiveness. The way the program works is after 120 on-time payments working for one of these organizations, and almost, well, we have not found one mission-sending organization that doesn't qualify. So, you know, if you're going out as a missionary, the, the, the organizations that are our partners qualify, right? Uh, after 120 on-time payments, you are given loan forgiveness, right? So whatever is left over of your loan uh, after the equivalent of 10 years, but it's specifically 120 on-time payments, and why that's important is because Individuals oftentimes come back to the States, right? Let's say they're serving overseas. You're serving overseas. You come back to the States. You go to work for a for-profit hospital. Uh, you can suspend the payments for a period of time, and then when you go back onto the mission field, go back to paying your 120 on-time payments. So they don't have to be sequential. They don't have to be with the same organization. So those of you who are in medical school, if you come out, and you join a not-for-profit hospital in your residency, you are, you're, you're in a qualifying organization. So your residency can qualify. Uh, if you're another type of healthcare uh, uh, provider and you uh, are working for any kind of organization that is not-for-profit, you likely qualify. So if it's a, a U.S.-based clinic or a not-for-profit hospital, uh, you will qualify for this as long as you have direct loan corp. Uh, and it is a fantastic program. It's encouraged. Uh, the government's basically encouraging you to participate uh, in missions. Uh, we like to kid around and call it FedSend, you know, because it's, uh, it's the federal government sending missionaries. It's a wonderful thing. However, two-thirds of the people don't have direct loans, right? And you may be sitting here and not have direct loans and thereby you would not qualify for this program. Uh, there are a couple of other programs that are out there today. Uh, Income-based repayment, uh, pay-as-you-go, uh, and uh, those are the two really popular ones right now. And we do not recommend these programs. We do not recommend them. Uh, they are traps. They really are. They're, they're pretty severe. And the reason that they're severe is because you will not, you'll be paying as you earn. So if you're in a position where you can't make any payments, it's better, it's better to go ahead and join IDR than to default. But if you can avoid joining these programs, and the reason is because the interest is building, and interest is compounding on interest. So at one time, let's say you borrow $1,000, and you don't pay any interest, well, you're going to owe $1,100. And the next year, you're going to owe $1,200 because the interest is growing on itself. It's compounding. 
it multiplies very quickly. These programs, what they'll do is they will uh, allow you to pay as you earn over a period of 25 years, and then at the end of 25 years, they will give you loan forgiveness. But it's taxable. So by that point, you could owe significantly more than you borrowed because the interest has been compounding. And then when they pay it off, you're going to be taxed. You're going to be handed a large tax bill for what you've been forgiven. If you qualify for public service loan forgiveness, your loan is reduced and it's not taxable. Right? So that, that's the first place you want to you look. If you are going to the mission field with one of our partners, and uh, what I'm going to recommend is you look at our website or talk to whoever you're interested in, in uh, going with, uh, affirm that they're a MedSend partner. If you don't qualify for public service loan forgiveness, we're here for you. We want to support you. We want to be part of your team. Right? It's, it's our purpose and intent to help you get to the mission field quicker. Right? But uh, people often ask the question, and I know if you've written this down for our, our board, uh, I'll, I'll preempt it. And that is, you know, why doesn't someone get a grant for MedSend? What are the kinds of things that get in the way of um, uh, receiving a grant once you've applied? And two of the biggest reasons, the most significant reason, one is that you haven't shown a willingness to share your faith, right? We are looking to use healthcare as a form of evangelism. So if you haven't shown that you're willing to share your faith here in the United States, why would you be willing to do it someplace else in the world? Right? So we're, we're looking for a willingness and an ability to share f- your faith. The second one is financial stewardship. Right? If you haven't shown that you're a good financial steward with the money that you've been entrusted with, quite frankly, our sense is that you're not prepared to be a missionary. You're not living out the missionary lifestyle. You're not focusing in on the spiritual disciplines, right? So those are the two things, the two primary reasons. So we want to encourage you, get involved in the, you know, your local church. Get involved in a ministry that's reaching out to people here. There's plenty of hurting people everywhere around us. Most major cities have got a Christian health care clinic in them somewhere, right? Most major churches like this one have outreaches, uh, to the community that involve health care. There are ways to serve here in the United States and to use your gifting and your education in the area of, of health care right, right where we're at. Okay? So what I'm going to do is uh, ask our, our board to uh, come forward. I've invited a couple of people. I'm going to ask them to uh, introduce themselves. Yeah, you want to bring those up here? Oh, yeah. You want to come up, please? I've asked a few board members to come up. And then, uh, let's pass that down. I'm going to just uh, ask you to uh, introduce yourself, uh, to uh, give a little bit of background about your professional uh, life, uh, and then uh, how long your role on the MedSend board and how long you've, you've been involved. Well, it's making a sound somewhere. There you go. Hi, I'm Doug Drubitz. I am an infectious diseases physician at the University of Oklahoma Health Sciences Center in Oklahoma City. Go Sooners. Um, I have been on the medicine board for about 16-ish years, 16 going on 17 years. I'm the current board chairman. Um, I'm John Wangu, and I'm also ID faculty at Yale University, and then uh, I've been on the board for three years. Yeah. Hi, I'm uh, Janet Kim. I'm a MedPeace physician from New York City, um, specifically Staten Island. Um, I'm, actually, oh, let's see. I'm not the newest member of the board. Um, I was also a grantee recipient, uh, myself and my husband. 
Uh, we actually work in New York City, helped to start a big Christian health center in New York, and so I was a domestic missionary grantee from that set. Um, oh, and I, so in my um, my work at our health center, um, I'm also the medical director, so I oversee um, the work that we do to provide services um, in our site. So any questions you have, you're more than welcome to help answer them. I'm Ken Dormer. I'm a medical educator. I also do research, but I'm on chair of the New Medical School of Liberty University. I chair uh, physiology and uh, pharmacology. I'm the youngest member. <laughs> You're not going to get away with that. <laughs> okay, so uh, we have uh, received your questions. And um, uh, Jess, why don't you just, uh, there we go, first round of questions, got it here. Sorry. Uh, I'm planning to, I'm about to graduate nursing undergrad um, planning on going ahead to grad school, when should I be partnering with a sending agency in regards to financial planning? That is a great question. Doug, do you want to try and take that? I can try, except the youngest, our, our baby board member messed up the microphone. Can <laughs> you <laughs> <laughs> the question again while we're... Yeah, right, yes. So the question really is, when should I get involved with a sending agency and or uh, MedSend with regards to, uh, you know, using uh, financial resources and doing financial planning? Well, that, that's, that's a great question. Actually, I've written down a question to ask the audience. So before we get into that, who of you have already committed to a particular sending agency? Seriously, absolutely nobody. Okay. Uh, all sending agencies are not created equal. Some are uh, bigger, some are smaller. They have different amounts of resources in terms of support. They have different structures. So you should think strategically uh, about who you're going to go with and strategically in terms of what areas of the world, what you, your skills are, uh, what sort of a team you want to go with. Um, you need to get a hold of MedSend relatively early into the process, and that could, that could in a sense, predate uh, when you get on with, a, with one of our associates, although we can't, we don't take applications before you're an approved associate. But at least if you contact the office, we can offer some financial advice. Rick uh, and others in the office are very uh, knowledgeable about different agencies and may be able to steer you into uh, X versus Y, depending on what your particular needs, gifts, and skills are. John, how many applications annually do you receive for consideration? How many does MedSend consider in the three board meetings that we have? <laughs> um, I'd like to comment or add to what... Uh, my chair said here, um, I would say the, the earlier the better uh, in terms of getting financing counseling. I don't think you need to wait until you're ready to go to the missions or you're ready to apply to medicine before you receive a counseling for financial matters. I think the earlier you begin, even from your freshman, to make sure that you absolutely do not take money that you do not need and you are also disciplined in the way you're budgeting and managing your money. So the area you can get on board in doing that, it will save you towards the end when you're ready to go. And in terms of the uh, candidate, for the past two years, had about 40 applicants. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very insightful. So who have received full applications? Oh, yes. Uh, those who have received their full applications. <laughs> very <laughs> So, um, the way that it works is on the MedSend website, uh, medsend.org. 
the preliminary application is available directly to the public. So you go in and you fill out a preliminary application, and uh, then it's reviewed. And if it looks like there's good qualification, if it looks like it's a, a good match, we then send you the full application, and that is what gets uh, presented uh, here to our board. Uh, Janet, tell us a, a little bit about the opportunities that are available uh, here in uh, the U.S. and how that process works uh, if you're a, a U.S.-based missionary. In 30 words or less, no. <laughs> um, I don't know if you asked this question. I'm just curious how many students we have here. Okay. And how many are in their first and second year, those that are raised their hands? Right. So the majority of you are first and second year, um, and this is regardless of what medical or nursing school. Um, and how about residents, fellows, attendings? Okay, all right. Um, so to answer, I'm going to try in 30 words or less. Um, so the opportunities in the state, so as I mentioned, um, you can get funding to work in the program. And the way it works is it goes through an affiliate as Rick was saying, that there are affiliate agencies that have to be connected with MedSend first. Um, the domestic agency right now is Chris, um, CCHF, um, Christian Community Health Fellowship. And they are a network of free clinics, FQHC, or community health centers throughout the country um, that share the same values of uh, ministering to the poor and sharing the gospel with the poor. Um, so if you're interested in working domestically, um, I would love to talk to you in New York, but there's plenty of other places in the country. Um, you go through the same application process that Rick had talked about, and you just pick CCHF as your affiliate. Um, but I also wanted to encourage that even if you're thinking about going overseas, a lot of the CCHF clinic sites have um, providers on staff that are thinking of still going overseas, but they want to be in a place that was culturally sensitive, a place where they could kind of try out working in a diverse community, and so, as Rick was saying, that you don't have to think about doing missions abroad. There's plenty of places um, in our own clinic in, in Staten Island that we have five different African countries represented amongst our patients, and my staff can speak a total of eight languages. So that's just New York. L.A. has a diversity. Chicago has a diversity. So many other places stateside have a diversity. Um, and a number of the FQHC clinics um, with CCHF um, have missionaries who will come on board, work with them for a couple of years, go away, come back on furlough with them. So you never know. So um, when I was going through this process, I didn't really know all this. So just keep that in mind that there's so many more opportunities that you think are possible here in the U.S., um, whether that's home to a robber or not. Ken, does medicine help physical therapists? Yes, medicine helps physical therapists and other health professionals, from uh, nurses, physicians, veterinarians, OT, PT, and physical therapists as well. So it is a health physicians organization. How about Masters of Public Health? Yes, and Masters of Public Health as well, because one of the things that we look for in the future missionary is their awareness of community medicine. So uh, Masters of Public Health is, is something that's important to us as well. So it's a total health perspective that we have. An integrated question is if I'm an MD and I go back and get a Masters of Public Health, will you help me out uh, with the loan payments on both of those? Uh, Doug, is it unwise to use loan money to go on a short-term medical trip during medical school as a means to prepare for a potential lifetime of missions? Okay, this is, the answer to this is like the answer to most questions is it depends. <laughs> um, and I'll, I'll give my opinion and then I will ask some of the other board members to weigh in on this. Now, I'm going to change the question a little bit, so not just a medical or a missions trip during medical school, but a short-term missions trip during at whatever point in time. The board struggles with this question, and we see, and that's because we see 
some of the extreme examples of folks who have who are heavily in debt, and by heavily in debt, uh, we'll say more than $100,000 in debt, and yet are doing, uh, say, three short-term mission trips a year, and have done that for quite a few years. So in a sense, one is borrowing money to go on these multiple short-term trips. I think that's an extreme example, but it has happened, and I would say it seems to me that that would be unwise. My view would be that a strategic short-term experience could be valuable for either vetting a particular place, confirming God's call, giving you a sense of smell and a taste of a place if it were a, a particularly good experience or a good experience in that sense as opposed to a weekend warrior in a sense. So my answer would be, it depends. It could be a very valuable experience. I think it should be done judiciously uh, because you're, again, it's, it's borrowed money, but that shouldn't prohibit it to be looked at upon as an investment. Definitely, I would say that instead of just looking at borrowing money, there are always, you know, you hope to be plugged into a church, have family connections, crowdsourcing. There are a whole variety of ways that one can be creative and start looking for how to raise money. It's a lot easier to raise money for $2,000 than it is for $200,000. And whether or not you would be a medicine grantee, if you're going as a missionary, you will more than likely still have to raise some degree of support. So it's also a great way to learn how to start raising a degree of support where the stakes aren't quite so high. So, John, would you like to comment on that? Set it off. Pretty thorough. From a newcomer, I can. From a newcomer's perspective, as I'm understanding short versus long-term missions, there's there's no doubt that there's a direct relationship to the maturity, the experience, the savviness, uh, and spiritual maturity that is of a long-term missionary because of their impact for the kingdom is that much more effective over the long haul than, than the short one. So, um, I, I, myself, I teach with Pan-African Academy of Christian Surgeons as a basic scientist in Africa where we're training uh, residents from 10 countries. And I've been on some other boards where most of my efforts have been in Africa and I've seen the Lord honored and glorified from missionaries that are just the salt of the earth. So, we, we from experience on our board, which has both um, missions and medical experience, the, the longer term being our priority has the greatest impact for Christ. Am I correct on this? Yes. The question is, how does MedSend decide uh, how large of a payment to make? And a corollary question is, is there a maximum uh, amount of, that you make uh, payments towards? And uh, I'm going to take that one. Uh, there, uh, we, we, we effectively, what we're looking at is, the first level is uh, not a dollar amount, but stewardship. So there might be situations and circumstances in your particular case that put you in uh, a situation where you needed to borrow uh, a significant amount of money. Some of you may be blessed to have uh, no debt at all. Uh, others, it might be that you've got a minimum amount, that you had other means of support. So we look at each individual circumstance. So there isn't necessarily an upper limit. Uh, however, if it's very high, we're going to look at, me, we're going to look at your uh, stewardship, and we're going to make a decision uh, based upon your individual uh, circumstances. So then what we do next is we take a look at just the, the total size of the debt. And we have made, as a board, uh, MedSend has made a conscious decision that we're going to try and send as many people as we can. So if you come to us with a, a very large debt, and I would say that that's over about $100,000, uh, we're likely to put you on a longer payout schedule, 15 to 20 years. If you come to us with less debt, we try and make it as short as possible. So we're, we're, we have some discretion here. We don't have hard and fast rules. 
but we are taking, to, we are trying to free up as many people as we can uh, to go. So, and it's based upon how many, how many monthly payments we're making. And just to give you an idea right now, we are making payments for 180 people uh, in every continent in the world. And we've got about 30 people in our backlog. So we have over 200 people who have been approved, 180 which have raised their support and they're ready to go. Do you want to say something? Yeah, I, I, I don't know that Rick got into this earlier, but um, we don't have a printing press in Rick's basement to generate the funds with this. The way that we get the money to make payments on our grantees is that we go out and raise it in the, in the private sector in a sense. And so... Uh, this is just to put in a plug for us that as you're talking with folks, as you're talking with your missions pastor, if they're interested in taking on MedSynth as, uh, as part of their giving portfolio, that's great. Put them in touch with Rick because these funds are then directly cycled back to folks uh, like yourselves. So a question uh, did come up. Do uh, we cover undergrad and med school or uh, graduate loans that are both public and private? And, uh, you know, the public ones, it is uh, relatively clear, right, if uh, you borrow from a bank or if you uh, borrow from the government through direct loan. Uh, that's what we've been talking about. Now, if you have loans from an individual, uh, we will consider, again, it's a one-off uh, basis, we will consider it. So don't exclude yourself, don't self-select out because, uh, you know, you've, you have an individual loan. But we do, what our expectation is that it would be a loan that had defined payment, defined terms, uh, has been notarized, uh, you know, that it is a legally binding document between you and whatever other entity lent you the money. Uh, and we would consider it on a one-off basis. Uh, part of the MedSend ethos is we look, to, we look to try and say yes, right? We want to be part of your team. We want to enable you to get out and uh, help you to fulfill God's calling on your life. Uh, your skills are desperately needed throughout the world, and we want to help participate with you to bless the world in Christ's name. So we're looking for ways to be able to say yes. There's a couple of things specifically that could, you know, eliminate you, but we want to come alongside of you. We want to be part of your team. All right? All right, well, I am getting the, uh, the cutoff sign in, uh, in the back. Uh, I want to um, uh, thank you so much. I, I'll just end with, what's that? Oh, Jessica is saying that I have to go to my third email. I want to thank you. Uh, one of the questions that was still outstanding uh, while I'm waiting here is, um, a question, it's a, it's a general question, you know, we don't specifically, we have financial professionals that we can direct individuals to, uh, to, to help you with this. Uh, uh, one of the members of our board is a financial planner, and um, uh, he can come alongside you and make recommendations. So the question was asked, uh, if I don't have uh, debt, if I don't have uh, school debt, what should someone in their 20s and 30s, how should they be saving if they're expecting to spend a lifetime in uh, healthcare missions? And uh, I really am not qualified to give you that answer, but we would love to come alongside of you. So if you want to email me at Rick at MedSend, I can get you those, uh, that kind of response, right? We want to we help you answer those kinds of things. So uh, let's see. I... Uh, I just finished my residency and am currently in the process of paying off my loan as fast as possible. Uh, some worldly practical issues I am facing. Uh, is that the one, Jess? <laughs> okay. So, um, what is like life? <laughs> what is the life uh, like after long-term missionary care, to, which is meaning retirement? And how could I afford to pay for my kids' education in the future? Uh, yeah. So. Uh, so here's the thing. How many uh, people really uh, kind of comprehend or understand what a mission sending agency does? Just a show of hands. 
So part of the role, it's perfectly okay. You know, I mean, I, you're here to explore, right? So it's, it's fine. But part of what uh, the role of a mission uh, sending agency is, I call it the care and feeding of missionaries, right? So what they do is they help you work out a budget. They help you to uh, put together uh, monies, uh, an overall budget that you will need to raise, the support that you will raise. And part of that support will be the money that you need to live off, you know, day to day. Uh, a, a piece set aside for health care, a piece set aside for retirement. If you have children or are planning children, a piece set aside for your children's education. And then, in addition, a piece set aside for your retirement. So they will literally work with you, and they will help you to decide, kind of based on where you're going, what the cost of living is, where you're going, you know, what your retirement plans are, how many children you have or are planning to have. So they work with you to try and identify all of these things. They also provide you uh, emergency evacuation. You know, if anything should happen to you, your health or, this, or the you know, political situation where you are, they provide evacuation services. They make sure that your taxes are addressed here back in the States that you have any money that might be uh, required to the federal government put aside. So they really care for you in a, in a 360. You know, if you should need, if you were hurt or you should need some help while you're on the field, that's their responsibility. So they, they really do take care of you and take care, help you with your affairs. So as you're evaluating them, you want to be asking those kinds of questions. How well do they do these things? Because you really count on these guys. Right? Jess, what did you want to say? Uh, to answer, I was going to say, do all sending agencies do that, or is that question that applicants should be asking? Yeah. Yeah. Generally, all of them do it. So thank you very much. The board will be here if you want to, you know, ask some questions afterwards. Please just reach for this uh, evaluation form in the middle. Uh, you've probably filled one of these out, but we do appreciate it. It really helps give some guidance, and uh, we want to know if we were effective in uh, addressing uh, the issues and questions that you came in here with. God bless you.